welcome to the Guitar Omni Podcast. I'm Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Each episode, we'll chat with a featured guest from the classical guitar world. Candid conversations, unique experiences, and career observations from the people who best know the guitar. This is your master class in life and the guitar. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or see Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. I'm here with Jim McCutcheon out of Dayton, Ohio. I've known Jim for, oh my gosh, probably, I hate to say it, but like 30 years maybe? I don't know. Um, but Jim is amongst other things, the, the professor of the guitar at the University of Dayton at Wright State University and Miami University. Um, he runs McCutcheon Music with his wife, which is a, a music store in Dayton, one of the places that I often send my students to look for guitars. Um, I've also known him to be the guitar man, going around doing school shows with uh, dozens and dozens of guitars and scenes, and, uh, and he also has a radio show on the local NPR syndicate. Um, and is, is that just local, or does that, that get out into the world? He gets out in the world through, uh, through streaming. Oh, fantastic. And, and so it's, it's, not really, it's not really NPR, it's, it's an independent radio station. Okay. Uh, date, it's, we call it Discover Classical, WDPR, and it's um, a public radio station, and, and I've been at it, uh, they actually allowed me to come in, even as a guitarist, because they're totally classical, totally classical <laughs> FM, and they decided to take a chance on me, and uh, back in 1986, wow. so we've been doing the show now, 30 plus years, and uh, heading towards uh, 2,000 shows, one hour every week. Amazing! Wow. Yeah, it's are it's, a lot it's of just too. Um, a lot of uh, over half of them are. My goodness. Because I did a lot of them live in the beginning. A lot of them were just live. Right. Okay. Which was very fun. Before that, I had a show on WYSO in Yellow okay. Springs. Oh my and Because I I taught there for a while, and okay. on my lunch hour, I'd run over to the to to the station, and um, and and did a show called Strictly Guitar. And I've always, I, I sort of always dreamed of having a radio show when I was growing up. And uh, so I became a ham radio operator, okay. amateur radio, and uh, learned a lot about that kind of stuff. And, and then eventually I had, a, I had my big break and got that show on, on uh, WYSO. I stopped teaching at Antioch uh, after a few years. And then this, this just opened up when the station was fairly new. And I had a great time. I, I just have such a good time doing the show because it's it's a um, chance to affirm people's work. You know, I've had your recordings on there, and Thank you for I, and I I know my recordings. If somebody thinks enough of my recordings to put it on their radio show, it just makes me feel really good. Absolutely, yeah. It, it might sell one CD if I'm lucky, but it's, so it's not really a it's not really a monetary thing. <laughs> Actually, I still do sell CDs, but it's uh, not too many. But uh, it's uh, it's just a, a chance to affirm somebody's work. Uh, 
people uh, put their lives into these recordings. They put their energy, their artistry. So much effort goes into making a recording. You know this. You've made several. Yeah. And and I think uh, almost every recording is worth another college degree. So <laughs> so it's it's nice to have a chance to affirm these artists' work. Sure, I, that's a that's a that's a fantastic perspective, and I I am very appreciative of of that, and I'm also appreciative of the work that you do um, with the radio show and 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 just you know furthering the art as it were. Um, so. Like I said before, I, I mean, I think I've known you for for probably going on 30 years, and, and I, I think, if I remember correctly, I'm not sure, but I think our first meeting might have been at the uh, Ohio Arts Presenters Network conference back when they did the, the, the booking uh, conference. I, I had heard of you before then, and I might have talked to you before then, but I think that was the first time that we met face to face, but I'm not, I'm not sure. And since then, I mean, I've run into you through the, uh, the summer classical guitar workshop at, at uh, Cincinnati a lot. Mm -hmm. We judged we judged the competition for was it for ASTA? I think so. I, I think it was for American String Teachers. We judged a final of a, of a competition. I remember sitting there with you and there were three judges and uh, you and I kind of had the same basic uh, priorities. <laughs> We weren't allowed to. T we weren't allowed to talk about it until the end. I remember that. <laughs> so, how, how did you end up in Dayton? What uh, I mean, you, you've been there for as long as I've known you, and and uh, I've I've heard you talk about a background. I think in physics. Is that? Am I remembering yeah. correctly? Okay. Yeah. Before I before I had the courage to become a guitarist. <laughs> and, uh, I. I, my parents moved here with my dad's business when I was 11, and so I oh gosh. came up through high school here, um, went to the University of Dayton and studied physics because I, I had been studying guitar since the fifth grade, and I was on this four-year plateau through high school okay. uh, because my teachers, I don't think they knew too much about technique. Okay. And, and But, I mean, they kept me interested, but I was really interested anyway. And... And um, when I, I was in high school, I just kept practicing and practicing and not getting any closer to, I really was trying to learn classical guitar because, well, actually classical gas, the song classical gas came out in 1968 when I was a junior. But I had already been trying to learn how to play classical and it was just really, really frustrating. And, and no matter how much I practiced, I couldn't get off that plateau. And I remember when I was a freshman physics major um, at the University of Dayton, uh, there was a guitarist named Bunyan Webb who was coming through Ohio on his tour and he was given a free master class across Dayton. And so I went across Dayton, went across town and played for him. And, and he just looked at me and he said, well, Jim, you've only got two problems. I went, really? He goes, yeah, your left hand and your right hand. And I thought, oh, this is going to be bad. And I had all the typical problems that kids have when they just sort of pick up the guitar and start playing and or just watch pop music players because pop music doesn't require a, a great deal of technique. It requires some, but not a lot. And I wanted to do music that required a lot more. And so we had a marathon lesson, like it was like three hours. And 
And he said, I'm coming back through town on my tour next year. This has to be like this. And man, I, I, I took that as gospel and I just was religious about practicing for that year on my own. And I, I just knew exactly what, and he was a great communicator and a great motivator. His, his degree was in psychology. Oh my gosh, okay. But he had studied, he had studied, you know, with Segovia and Preston Lagoya. And so he had been around He'd really been around in, in a time, this was in the late 1960s, early 70s, you know, when not a lot of people had this knowledge. Of course. And so I was very fortunate. In fact, I would say it was a pivotal experience working with this man once a year for four years. Oh, my God. So you, you, you had one lesson a year for four years. Right. Right. Oh. And did, did he, was he, were you in touch with him during the, the intervening time at all? Or not he... much. That's I think maybe one year we had two lessons. Okay. <laughs> oh, how cool. That's, that's awesome. And was he, did he provide materials for you or tell you where to look Wait, for materials? Yeah, he told me what to get. You know, he told me to get the Carcassi uh, Opus 60. And, and he, he had some really creative fingerings. Uh, and um, and he, it, it, was, it was just, and he had to get Jorge Morel's music. Okay. Because wow. he, was, he was friends with Jorge. And um, I mentioned and that so, there, you know that was uh, that was not readily accessible, right? Well, you remember the Spanish Music Center uh-huh. on Forty Eighth Street at the Belvedere Hotel? I mean, it was like they had this their shop there, and it, that was the mecca for classical guitar. I mean, it okay. was nothing like today. You you had to go there or order from there, and I remember. Ordering from there, there was a. I ordered the Shikan, and they sent me a Xerox copy. Charged me full price. <laughs> but, but he <clears throat> he got me connected and uh, to a lot of to a lot of good technique and a lot of you know a lot of music. And he had a philosophy that was wonderful. It like once I said, oh, I really like this piece, and uh, and I played him a little bit of what I was able to figure out by ear. And he goes, oh, yeah, that's the Vols by Ponce. And I, he said, I said, it sounds like it's like pretty hard for me. He says, go ahead and get it. He says, you're going to work 10 times harder on something you like than something I give you. Right, right. And so he, he, yeah. he had a great, he, he was just, I don't know, he just was, had a great way of, of motivating me and um, affirming me, affirming my efforts. And he, he was just a great man. And he died when he was 45. Oh my gosh. In a scuba diving mishap. He was out at the San Francisco Conservatory teaching, and uh, he went scuba diving by himself, which is probably a no no. Oh my gosh. Huh. Was he on the faculty at, at, at San Francisco? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Oh, wow. Man, and and is that is that during that time of your life was that the only instruction that you had, or did, did you have did you go? To- that was pretty much that was pretty much it. Here in here in the Midwest, you know where do you go? Right, sure. And so, uh, but then as a physics major, I had an elective credit, and I really liked John Renborn. Okay. Are you familiar with Pentangle and yeah. John Renborn? Um, he played classical music on a steel string guitar, and it was beautiful. And he had a flute player named Ray Worley, who 
played with them and I thought, oh, that's a beautiful combination. I think I'll learn how to play the flute. So I picked up the flute as a junior in college and I took lessons with the retired first chair player for the Cincinnati Symphony who evidently was a big deal because when I say, oh, I studied with Robert Cavalli, all the flute players' jaws drop halfway to the floor. You studied with Cavalli, and I was a total beginner. It's really funny. But, um, but because I played the flute, I fell into a band of playing like lounge music and pop music. Okay. Uh, and we were five guys, and when I got my physics degree, I... Um, was accepted to medical school because I'd been sort of really boning up for that because of a, a classical guitarist I played duets with who was an MD, PhD here at the Air Force Base in Dayton. He spent his time spinning people around in centrifuges, like as big as a gym, a small gym, and watching them pass out. And he would take data, and that's what it, that was his job. But like we would get together and play duets, and then he said, well, my tour duty's up. I'm going to go back and teach at my dad's med school. You want to come? And I went, yeah, that sounds great. He says, okay, here's what you have to do your senior year to get ready. And um, so I had like an in, an automatic in. I could have been a doctor. And, and But our band had the chance to sign with an agent and go on the road full time. Nothing big, but, you know, it would have been full-time employment and a chance to have a trial marriage with music, to see what it would be like if I decided to marry it. Because, you know, it's one thing to have a hobby, and then it's one thing to sure, have sure. to do it. And so my friend at the med school, I, t I asked him, what should I do? And he said, you know, I had to make that same decision. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a two-year window to come to my school. And, I'll, and, and, and then he said, and this is verbatim, when you decide what you want to be when you grow up, you can come to my school. <laughs> Have you grown up yet, Jim? Well, no, no. <laughs> and so, <laughs> it's, and so I, I went on the road, and, and for 18 months, I practiced flute for an hour a day, guitar two hours a day. We played five hours a night, six nights a week at, wow. at uh, lounges and uh, hotels and restaurants, and we toured around the Midwest. Nothing big, sure. but it was 65 hours a week. It was 65 hours a week of music. And a lot of playing. It, and it was just, at the end of every week, I had more energy than I had had at the beginning of that week. Every week. And I loved it. And it was just, you know, I listened to that. Yeah. Because I never had had that feeling about science and physics. I liked science. I liked physics. I liked biology. I, I, I really enjoyed the whole study of it. But I never got the, the internal energy, the, the enlightenment and the drive to do it as, as, as I had for that 18 months on the road. So I listened to that, and I said, thank you, but no thanks for, to the med school. And I went back and started another bachelor's degree in music at Wright State. And that took me three years to get a bachelor's in another bachelor's degree in music. But I needed every year of it. And as soon as I got it, they hired me as, a, as an adjunct. UD hired me. Sinclair, the community college here in Dayton, hired me. And Antioch hired me. So I had all these part-time jobs. Plus, I was teaching out of my house. And I was able to put it together and make a semblance of a living for my family. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's so that's how I got here. Yeah. Wow. And and I mean, 
it's 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 unusual to hear tales of people. Um, you know, I, most most of the guitarists that I know do not live in the same place that they grew up. You know, that's a, that's a that's an unusual unusual kind of situation there. That's that's well, what I I feel very fortunate because I've got some roots, some friends here that go back very very far. Sure. And sure. and it's it's just nice. You know, having that kind of longevity in a, in a single place. Right. Well, that's what I, I always tell people. You know, the, the, I've done I've done okay in in Columbus, and mostly just because I've been here so long. You know, I've been mm -hmm. here for 25 years, and I haven't screwed anything up too catastrophically. So, you know, I I think that that's all, that's been the uh, the uh, the key to a lot of the quote success that I that I've had here. You know, it's just you, you get established and. and <laughs> Don't don't screw anything up. You'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if, if you if if you find something that pulls you, sure. That pulls you and makes you so that when you wake up in the morning, you know you're really happy who you are and what you're going to do that day. Right. I you know I can't remember the last day that I woke up and went, oh crap, I got to do the music. <laughs> but that's never, that just has never happened. Right. And, and, and I, I think I made the right choice. Well, I got a second on that. Um, 20 years after that, I had a chance to play in Chicago where this medical school was. And we, I played at the uh, opera house um, at uh, Woodstock, Illinois. And, and I called up my friend and he was just getting ready to retire from, from medicine. And I said, hey, Lauren, I'm going to be up there at the Woodstock Opera House. I'll get you a ticket. And he said, okay, I'll be there. So he came and I played with an oboist friend of mine. And um, we had a duo for many years. And, uh, and after the concert, uh, Lauren came up to me and handed me a bottle of wine. He just said, you made the right choice. Oh, how fantastic. That was that was great. That was just really affirming. And and, and at that the, at the time that you were you were graduating and looking at going to medical school and everything, um, and decided to to go out on the road and, and, and play music instead. Uh, how 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 did your parents feel about this? Well, uh, my dad had passed away when I was a freshman, and so it was really my mom, and she just shook her head and said. I hope you know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I believe my mother said the exact same words to me at one point. <laughs> really? I think so, yeah. She said, I hope you know what you're doing, because I don't. And she, and she would, when I was studying, I just remember her often saying, you know, I, I, I don't understand it, but uh, you seem happy, and, and I support you. And that was and that meant the world. I mean, that was, it was something that, that really... Was very valuable to me. That was my mom's attitude, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you want for your kids? I mean, if my kids, I have two boys, they're grown. They if they had want, if they had wanted to pursue music, I would have had their heads examined <laughs> to make sure they were as crazy about it as I am. Sure. Because I think you've got to be crazy about it. You, you, I, the first words out of my, out of Bunyan Webb's mouth when I said, you know, I'm thinking I might try to make a living at this. First words out of his mouth without hesitation were, you never want to drive a nice car, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds sounds just about right. Yeah, I, I always I used to used to tell like potential students when I was when I was teaching at the colleges, 
you know, people who are auditioning to, to major music, I, I used to tell them, you know, I hope you're doing this because you can't think of doing anything else. Because if you can think of doing anything else, you probably should do that. Because it's gonna, it's probably gonna be easier and, and, and more profitable for you. And, and then and then you can afford the guitar you want. <laughs> right, exactly. And then there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, you've been teaching at the college level at least um, since since the mid '80s. Then is that? Well, yeah, since '78. Uh, my goodness. And it, have, do you, have you counted how many students you've taught through that? No. No, that would be an interesting one. <laughs> that would take a long, that would take a lot. I have higher priorities, but. <laughs> but it, sure. it, I mean, it, it's a huge number. Sometimes uh, at my peak, I think I had like 300 students a semester. Wow. Between, oh you know, like five, five classes at Oxford at Miami and two classes at Wright State, and usually I have five or six classes. Of this is all beginning guitar. Right. Uh, beginning guitar at uh, UD, plus a couple, three classes here at my store, right. plus all the private students, you know, and plus I was part-time, so anybody who signed up just, of course. you know, I'll take. And um, so, it, you know, it, at one time I counted like 300 and a few oh students. Gosh. Yeah. And, you know, right about the end of the semester, I knew everybody's names. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> and then, then they were gone. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's incredible. And to think, to think about all of, the, all of the lives that you touched through that, you know, and I, I always think it's funny because from time to time, just out of the blue, I'll get an email from somebody or um, I'll run into somebody that, that I taught years ago. Um, and I think, you know, well, I'm always embarrassed because I don't remember them. <laughs> and, and, and I just think that's, that's, you know, you just don't know those little ripples that you, you cast into the, into the pond. Yeah, yeah. It's a really very, very, very cool thing. Once in a while, once in a while I'll hear from somebody. Or you, or you see him, uh, I've got a, a student named Michael Bard who uh, works in the Washington, D.C. area. He, he graduated from Wright State with his bachelor's with me. And, and he's got this thing called guitar grams. Okay. And if you look up Michael Bard, B-A-R-D. Uh, okay. He has these things called guitar grams, and they are hilarious. Is he'll do. He'll do. I don't know if it's on. He probably is. He's definitely on Facebook, and uh, he does. He does a Latin trio with his wife and another guitar player, and but he does these guitar grams where he dresses up like. Uh, uh, Esteban, oh. or like a rock star, because he played Kiss. Kiss is what made him want to learn guitar, and he's a great, great classical player, you know. And he does, he, he does the classical thing. He shows up in a tuxedo, or you know, he's he's he is just a hoot. He gave lessons to Senator Kerry, John Kerry, when and and when when John Kerry got the nomination to run for president. Uh, Michael was walking over to his mansion, you know, in D.C. to give him a, to give him his lesson, and these like Secret Service guys jumped out of the bushes with their guns pointed at him, and 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 they said, "What are you doing here?" And he says, "I'm here to give a guitar lesson." So they said, "Take that out. Let's see if you can play it." So he took it out and he played him "Stairway to Heaven." And they said, "Oh!" And then by that time, Carrie looked out the door and said, "Hey guys, sorry, I forgot to put his name on the list." <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I recently, actually, I saw I recently saw a picture of John Kerry sitting on an airplane with a classical guitar, and there was some discussion about it. And some somebody had posted it on Facebook, but that's the, here's a personal connection. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, one of my students got to tour uh, with Megadeth. That's wow. Was that Jeff Young? Yes. Oh. You know Jeff. I know Jeff. Yeah. Well, the first year that I taught at Claire's workshop, Jeff had signed up as a student because he had just started getting into to doing um, flamenco and and and, and fingerstyle stuff, and, and he wanted. He thought I'll I'll go do this workshop. Um, mm -hmm. And the funny thing about it was there were there was a handful of young. Um, guitarists who were obviously quite into the metal scene at the time who had heard through the internet that he was going to be there and they they descended upon it like flies you know so you know bought the bought a classical guitar the week before never played classical guitar before but they were just they were going to be there just to to, to be with jeff and uh, oh that's funny i didn't know about that it was it was an amazing year actually it was it was it was, it was that was the first year that i that i went to the workshop on the faculty, and it was yeah, it was it was that was a lot of fun. But uh, from, from yeah, time I still hear from from Jeff. He'll, he used to he used to get in touch um, from time to time when he was with, yeah. passing through or whatnot. So yeah, <laughs> not, not, another one of my claims to fame is I was Martha Masters' first guitar teacher. You know, she mentioned that I, I talked to her a couple weeks ago, and she had mentioned that. And I remember when the last time she played in Columbus. Um, she had told told me about that. So cause her, she is she is just such a sweetheart. I taught her when she was six years old. My goodness. <laughs> and uh, and not even for quite a year. But I, I guess she had had lessons with somebody that she described as kind of smelly and and <laughs> didn't like him at all. And her mom said, "Well, before we give this up, let's try one more." And so that so I got to work with her, and we we had a really great time. She was one of those students who just did everything you said perfectly, and and uh, she was just a sweetheart. And then I hated it when her 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 dad was military, and I think they got transferred. So I you know you hate you know when some students leave, it's like oh dang. <laughs> and then twenty years later, a friend says, "Oh Jim, you're uh, somebody." You know, your name was in Guitar Player magazine. I went, oh yeah, right. And <laughs> and uh, and and she, he said, no, no, somebody mentioned you, and it was her. She had just won the GFA competition and and spoke very kindly of me. And I thought, well, isn't that nice? Yeah, she she said I, when when I talked to her, she 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 spoke very highly of you. And and I think, let me see if I can remember exactly what she had said. Is she I. She was describing that you had a really good way of keeping her curious about things and, and making it fun because you know as a, as a young child like that, you know you can't you, you can't give assignments and say you have to do this and it's got to be that you know that's not the, that's not that game. You have to keep them engaged and keep them having fun. And she said that you were you were really good at that, but also like nudging her in in good directions as, as far as the things that she was working on. Yeah, trying to give her good technique. You know. Technique is why I'm not better than I am, because <laughs> I had seven years of bad technique. So I make sure technique is always is always present, and 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 developing. The uh, you know the, you know Mar Martha is just just so so nice. I remember sh I had her singing "Puff the Magic Dragon," 
Okay. And because I like to have my kids do pieces, uh, instrumental pieces, but I also like to have them sing and, and play chords and do that kind of thing, too. And so I had her doing Puff the Magic Dragon. She always remembered that. Well, she came through Dayton a few years back, maybe five years ago and six years ago. And and she was doing a master class at Wright State. So I had one of my I had a, my university students play for her. And then I I had a little girl play for her who's about six and um and so the little girl played her classical piece and then she said may i play one more for you and i had her i i taught this girl how to play puff the magic dragon oh how fun and when she's she sang it for martha and martha broke down that's, that's said, stuff, you know? Martha said, I've never cried giving a master class before. <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Uh, that's, that is, yeah, that's, that's the stuff. I mean, that's why we do it, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's, and t uh, tell me a little bit more about the Guitar Man thing. Are you still doing that? Oh, the Guitar Man is rocking. Let me tell you, even after COVID, I'll tell you, we had a year off, right? Okay. And everybody had a year off. And I mean, I had to cancel all my school performances and for the spring and for the next school year. And so, um, you know, I've had a chance recently to, to do some concerts, some outdoor Guitar Man concerts. And uh, it's it's uh, it's still cooking 100 percent. I've got I came out with it. I've had three. I've made three CDs just for kids. Okay. And. And I know we're just on audio, but you're probably video and taping this, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. so anyhow, this is my first one, Guitar Man. Okay. And it's got like all these, all these different instruments, like the. Yeah, I've seen that picture many times. The yeah. the loop banjo and all that. Then I came out with Day with the Guitar Man. Okay. Which which included Balalaika. One of my friends from Russia played balalaika on this he just happened to be on tour through the u.s when i was recording i said sergey you gotta come and do this so he brought his whole band so we did a russian song that i translated oh. and uh so we got that and Tarango from Bolivia. Oh, yeah. And then more recently, I did Guitar Man Goes to School because I, so I do so much work in schools. And this is 19 songs that I made that are all originals that I made during school residencies. Wow. So I'll go to a, I'll go to a school, um, not all the time because I'm busy with my college teaching, but, you know, a, a few times a year, I'll take a week and go to a school or maybe I'll take two days, three days and go to a school and and just be the resident artist. And and whatever they want me to to do, I I do. And like I go to a school in Cincinnati called Springer School about every three years. And that's that's a school that specializes in kids with learning disabilities. Okay. And so um, I work with every every student in that school uh, during a five day period. We have a culminating concert uh, where a core group does that meets with me every day plays i think we usually do ukuleles sometimes we do guitars but i do take a whole boatload of ukuleles and and uh and teach the kids some basic chords and we make up a song 
you know, we can make up songs about uh, anything that just comes to us. Or sometimes the teachers say, hey, I want kids to learn something about uh, responsibility. Why don't you make up a song about responsibility or something like that? Or, or about uh, science, because since my first degree is in physics, Guitar Man Does Science is another show that I do. And I love taking... Um, taking music in to stimulate the kid's interest in science and math. And it's it's a hoot because I kind of know what I'm talking about. And I can make, I make some very fun demos that the kids just, they, they just leave buzzed, totally buzzed. And they're like, I, you know, and, and they just talk about it like for a week they're talking about it so I give them a lot of stuff to do and their teachers are always there so the teachers know how to take what I gave them and, and work that into the lesson plans so, so a lot of the songs on Guitar Man Goes to School a lot of those songs are um, science oriented okay and were, were they, are they the songs that you wrote with the kids or are those songs that you wrote for to use it, both these programs okay both that is so cool. And is this a, mostly elementary school kids that you're working? Yeah, yeah, largely. Although I do, uh, I do workshops for junior high and senior high too. Okay. Just, just a little different level because they've had a lot more math. Right. <laughs> and uh, and a lot more science. So, but it's like I can make it real to them in a way that it just wasn't real to me in when I was coming up through high school. I just didn't get the idea of pressure, like pressure waves and right. like low, high pressure, low pressure, that kind of stuff. And you can see it on an oscilloscope. It's a great graphic representation. I have a, I have a couple World War II oscilloscopes that are not digital. I mean, digital is just not, not the same. Digital scopes are just like, ah, <laughs> so like digital and and analog scopes, you know, with a little green worm that goes across, and it's like. They're so, they're so real, and kids I think relate almost better to them just because they're they're analog. Right. Sure. And so you can... that's amazing. That, that and, and did you come up with that? I mean, how how did you come up with all that? Yeah, you. I I had too, right? I had a great mentor here in in Dayton. We have a, an organization called The Muse Machine, which gets artists into the schools. And I don't really know what they're doing now because it's probably been 10 years since I worked with them. But I worked with them 10 or 15 years every year. They would have summer workshops with teachers. The teachers who were going to enjoy the visits of a Muse Machine artist had to give up three days of their summer to come to these workshops. Wow. And... During those workshops, the artists would work with, with the teachers, teaching them the material, you know, like I would teach the teachers how to play ukulele and I'd give them the science talk and I'd do, do all this stuff with them. And so that when I came, those teachers absolutely knew what I was gonna do. It was, it was so thorough, the, the visit was so effective because the teachers were invested and it's not like a lot of a lot of times I'll go into a, a community and I'll go in and do a guitar man assembly for 50 or 60 minutes and the kids will leave buzzed and they're, they're happy. But that's kind of the whole experience with Muse Machine. It was just way deeper. And the director of the Muse Machine for many years was Lorna Dawes, who I had met at Wright State as an undergrad and Lorna just said, you know, Jim, you really should put together your science and your music and come up with something. So 
I needed something different to do that year with the teachers, so that's what I did, and it's just been developing ever since. Oh, that's, that's great. And how, how long have you been doing that? Guitar Man, I'm sure I've been doing it 30 years. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's yeah. fantastic. That's really great. Do you know, do you know um, Guitar in the Classroom, or Guitars in the Classroom, Jess Barron organization? Do you know that? Is that, is that uh, the, the, um, the Austin Guitar Society guy? No, Matt? no. Je Jess Barron is a, she was, um, uh, I guess she, she was an elementary music ed teacher in L.A. And just kind of almost accidentally was asked to head up this, this thing where they were going to use guitars and ukuleles to, to teach, teach kids outside mm -hmm. of the classroom. Um, and again, it's something that started many, many years ago, and it's grown into this, this nationwide organization called Guitars in the Classroom. Um, and they, they, they do similar things in terms of their trainings teachers and administrators and principals and bus drivers and janitors, basically anybody that goes into a public school, mm -hmm. I guess I guess private schools too, but anybody that's going into schools with, with children who wants to learn how to play, they're teaching them how to play and showing them, giving them, showing them ways to find opportunities to play for the kids and get the kids involved. And I think the idea is just to use the guitar and music um, as a way to help help kids deal with everything you know? mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 schoolwork or emotional things or just having having that be something that's omnipresent in their in their educational life and it's really really amazing the stuff that she's been doing but it's, it's it sounds very similar to to kind of um the, the guitar man idea of what, what, what you've been doing in the schools as well yeah it's you know when it comes to actually you know guitar pedagogy that the two things, you know, I couldn't find any, any method that really um, incorporated the things that I think are important. Like, you know, it's, I mean, you know, we're all individuals. Right. So when that happened, you know, I just made, like, The Very Young Guitarist. It's a book for, for young kids. I use this with my little sort of five and six, seven-year-olds. Yeah. And, and it's half of the book is melody, just playing melody with good technique and then half of it is singing songs you know with simple chords and and so i i like to do that and then um that that sort of goes into a book i wrote called recital album which is just more songs it's sort of suzuki like rote learning um but songs that develop a lot of different techniques and by the time you get through the the bach minuet in g or the musette um, when, when they can play that and their technique is good, then I get them reading. Right. So that, that's my approach with that. And then with my older kids, I wrote a book called Blues for Beginning Guitarists. Okay. And I use this with my high school and college kids. And it, it, it just does, you know, rhythm guitar and pentatonic scale lead guitar improvisation with good technique. And, and I supplement that with, with songbooks and, and kind of stuff to keep the kids interested that way. But it's so nice. You can get them playing with Eric Clapton and Tracy Chapman, and, you know, after just a few weeks and they're in the band. Right. So, so that's, that's been kind of my approach is just been to write, write a book that, that, makes, that makes the points that I, I feel students need to have technically while you're kind of having some fun and, and right. some 
you know, doing some music that you like. Like quickly, you know, getting them, have, having that, that, um, that fast, that, that gratification coming quickly rather than saying, hey, you know, it's going to be six or eight weeks before you're playing any music, you know, that, that nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> no, no, no. Or, or, or today we're going to learn the staff and G, the G and the B and the E and I don't know. I, I don't, I, you, you know, you can, half the world's musicians, if you ask them, hey, did you bring your music? They'll just hold up their instrument. Of course. They'll go, yeah, I brought my instrument. I brought my music because they don't read and you don't need to read for most things. And, you know, I've had, you know, I've had some department chairman say, oh, your beginning kids need to read. I go, well, <laughs> you know, give me a little indulgence here and let's have some fun first. And then if they choose a style where you have to read, we'll read. Sure. Are your books readily available? Like if, if people... Get on the internet and look for them. Can they? Can they find them? Yeah, I I don't know. I should. I, should, <laughs> I, should I, I really just sell them here at my store and. Okay. And that and so, McCutcheonMusic.com. That would be the. There we go. <laughs> and that'd be the link. Some something else that you've got going on is the, is the store and uh, and I know that you know when when students of mine start talking about buying buying instruments, I often say you know. One of the things that, you, that we, you have to do is you have to go play as many instruments as you possibly can get your hands on. And you're, you're one of my, my sources within a day's drive that I, that I send people to because I know that you have guitars on hand. Well, thanks. You know, the whole, the whole store thing started when um, my, my wife uh, was not a big fan of me having lessons in the house. And... <laughs> And so I did that for several years, and I liked it. It was so convenient. You know, you roll out of bed on Saturday morning, somebody walks in the door, and you get all your stuff there, and bang, you're you're going. And mute. <laughs> but it was not it was not a favorite of my family. So a duplex next to us came up for sale, and and so I, we decided that we would buy it and rent out the upstairs and and use the downstairs for my studio. And so it wasn't as convenient, but it was all right. And I had more people calling than I had time for. So I, uh, I got one of my former university students to come and start teaching. He still teaches for me, by the way, 30-some years later. And, um, and so that was sort of our pilot project. And then we moved across town to a nicer area of town and uh, it had a really strong music program in the schools. And I gave one lesson in our new house and my wife said, uh, dear, there's this place I saw down in the middle of town and they make a great teaching studio. <laughs> so we, we went for went for about four years and, and I and I was part time at all these colleges, so I knew other part time people who were starving and they needed students. And so I said, Hey, you wanna just come teach in my studio I'm store on my it was a studio at, at that point. It was not a store. And they said, sure, sure. So we just started advertising for them and getting them students and and uh, helping them make some, some more money. And uh, we, we tried to get the local music stores to carry the items that we needed, like decent guitars, accessories, music. And they just didn't. They and it was like, you know, I said, this is hindering our teaching and we're really into teaching here. And, and so we're gonna have to start carrying music. So we started carrying music 
and then we started carrying accessories. And then my wife, and we started carrying guitars actually. And then my wife says, you know, our youngest is very responsible and he's in junior high. And he said, she said, I'd like to grow the business. And I said, sure, what do you want to do? It's all yours. <laughs> I said, I'm busy, I don't have any time and uh, to help, but you know, do whatever you want. And, um, uh, She's forgotten that, by the way. She's, <laughs> but, and I do, I, I, but I love, I love working at the store. So anyway, we started carrying um, not only guitars, but band and orchestra instruments right. and, and developing a, a rental program and making sure we had all the music that our, the people on our teaching staff wanted. As our, as our teaching staff grew, right now we have 50 teachers. My goodness. It's crazy. And oh, my gosh. And it's and they're they're all people we would send our grandkids to. Excellent. So I mean that that's basically our criteria. <laughs> you should put that on, on your <laughs> that you know, we should put that as a byline. <laughs> we would send our grandkids to these people. Um, that's a good idea. Thanks for that. Um, and so as we grew, we just got more and more teachers and we just made them the priority if you if you look at the square footage this is business talk if you look at the square our our, our floor plan if you look at the square footage that we devote to teaching versus selling stuff sure we have about 70 70 percent is teaching nice 30 percent is selling stuff and if you go to a typical like big chains music store or something you know, it's like the opposite. It's like 90% selling stuff. Yeah, right. And they have one little right. room in the back where everybody you know, gives Right, a little closet. <laughs> so, I mean, our, our, our rooms are pretty nice. They've got musical prints, and I, I just, I love going and finding, like, framed art and stuff like that that's musical, and I just love decorating these places. So, so 50 teachers, uh -huh. are you in the same location that you... You we outgrew we outgrew that original house in the downtown of our little uh, suburb called Centerville. We outgrew that in about four years, and that has seven studios in it. And we uh, opened up another place about a mile and a quarter south of there. And I think we have 11, 12, 13. We have 13 studios down there. Okay. 13 rooms. Man. And two of those are really pretty big. One's like... 20 by 30 and one's 30 by 30. And so how many, how many guitar teachers work there? Um, I think we have seven. Okay. Wow. But we have like pretty much, we have, we have about that many piano teachers. Okay. And I, I can't remember, I, you know, I'd have to look and see. You could look at the website. It's mccutcheonmusic.com. And, uh, and there's a whole list of everybody who's there. It's, it's, it's a riot. That's great. So, and so, I mean, with, with 50 teachers, I can't even imagine the number of students that are coming through every week. Yeah, it's about, well, you know, pre-pandemic, it was 10 times that. It was, we had about 500. Now it's, it's, it's still down, but it's coming back. Right. right. And do, when, when the pandemic hit, did everybody teach from home? Is that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did the online thing, yeah. Except for me. I came in here and sat in my office here and did all my university teaching from here and all my private teaching from, he from here in my <laughs> store office. 
<laughs> oh, you're in the store now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That explains the, what I'm seeing behind you. I was, I, I was thinking, oh my gosh, that, that is the room of somebody who is really working a lot. <laughs> you know, there's, 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 nobody can be we're doing audio only on the podcast, but uh, there's just there's stuff stacked floor to ceiling behind you and I thought that I, I have a lot right of projects yeah. a lot of projects <laughs> one of the one of the projects I've got is uh, is pretty fun it's called the American Record Guide okay and and that's and it's it's a it's a magazine comes out once every two months all it is is CD reviews yes full of that I don't know if you've seen it or not yes uh-huh so a year ago, in 2020, um, uh, they had somebody reviewing. They had a, a very competent guitarist reviewing, but she didn't want to continue because she was afraid to say anything bad about anybody <laughs> for fear she would like not get a concert booking. Right. Well, I, I guess I'm, too, I'm not really worried about that, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, if somebody, if somebody books me for a concert, then we're, I can't I can't find my thing. But I've got uh, I've got a promo piece that says "Not your normal classical guitar concert." Nice. Because <laughs> it's 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 like I have a lot of stories. I've been doing this for so long. I have a lot of stories, and so I like to take them into the concert. Yeah. So. So it's it's a. Uh, you know, I wasn't too worried about it, so I decided I would take it on because I had already been reviewing for a few years for Soundboard, which is the Guitar Foundation of America publication. And uh, I'm I'm not the editor of the column. Um, editor Al Coons, he he thinks enough of me that he publishes what I send him, and uh, we have a really nice relationship. Al's Al's a great guy, and and. I think we don't always see eye to eye on 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 recording stuff, but uh, we we line up a lot. In fact, when we met face to face the first time, it was at a GFA conference, and we were both wearing khaki khaki <laughs> pants and light blue shirts. It was just hilarious. <laughs> you had the uniform. <laughs> it was hilarious. These two old guys. So so you're doing all the all of the guitar reviewing for the the American Record Guide now. Yes. Well, that's great, and it gives you an opportunity to know what what's coming down the pike as as well. Oh man, he sends me fourteen. He sends me an average of seven a month, seven CDs a month. Yeah. And and so it's it's a it's a it's a chore. Like it's like I have to like right now we're coming up to the end the deadline, and um, you know I have I have some serious work to do, but um, at the same time. I get to hear all this great music, and most of it is just great, and 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 then I get to try to say something intelligent about it, and <laughs> and and to try to be affirm affirming in any way I can, and then when uh, if, if there are no questions about what I wrote, uh, then then the magazine comes out, and I take those CDs home and I put them on my radio show. Fun. So that's great, yeah. So it's given me a chance to meet a lot of musicians. For for doing that, I mean, I would think that, you know, you'd really have to set aside a, a, a decent chunk of time to to just focus on listening to those CDs and taking notes and, and writing the writing the reviews and whatnot. Did you yeah, it it, it takes schedule, it takes it, it, no. It's like whenever I I feel I can. Okay. You know, if, if mentally and physically. 
great because you yeah you have to be in a in a receptive uh, mindset to to be able to take that in I would think you know you right right and I can't do anything else while I'm doing it I can't sit here and do email or right. you know I can't I can't do anything except listen and think about the music if I try to do anything else nothing gets done and do you listen to the entire recordings from beginning to end almost all the time that's that's tremendous. That's that's amazing. Like I just I just listened to one for guitar and forte piano, which was just incredible from the word go. Yeah. And so I, I didn't listen to the entirety of every track because I listened to half of it and I went, This is all amazing and you know but I I I just I do listen right. almost to everything. Wow. And and you've probably been in the habit of doing that anyway for for your radio show, um, so you, you probably you probably have a really good handle on what's out there in the recorded guitar world, I think. Yeah, I've got about uh, two thousand classical guitar CDs. <laughs> you should see my basement. Wait, maybe say, not. You're gonna you're gonna have to you're gonna have to buy another house just to house your CDs. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. Do you know everything that you have? Is it cataloged? Uh, it is not cataloged. Okay. Uh, I, I, I am able, though, if somebody says, hey, did you ever get this CD? You know, I'm, I'm able generally to find it. Good for you. <laughs> I can't remember where I left my shoes yesterday. <laughs> yeah. If I don't write it down, if I don't have, like, a note or a reminder, it's a, like it, it just goes right out of my head. <laughs> right. But I, I, do, I do archive the shows because I won't be doing them forever. And so I don't know if the station will want to keep running them or not. The, the station's a really nice station, a lot of really nice people. Um, we have a lot of people that support the show and, and contribute to the station. Uh, discoverclassical.org yeah. and um, <laughs> you know it's it's just it's it's uh, Saturdays at 6 p.m. and they like the show that much at the station they they rebroadcast it Sunday mornings oh, at cool. 9 a.m. That's great. So I mean it's like I feel so supported down there. That's great. And and they must like having me because they keep they keep having me. So, was that all of your idea? Did you go to the radio station and say, "Hey, you should do this," or did somebody? The, the chairman of the department at the University of Dayton was involved in 1986 when they first opened and first came on the air, and uh, he said, "You know, you really should talk to these people," yeah. and I did, and they said, "Okay," so so it was very fun. That that's so cool. It's called the intimate guitar. Yes. And you can look. You can if you're on Facebook, you can you can, you know, see what's you can like it or whatever. And and I I post every week uh, pictures of the CDs that I'm going to have on and just a listing of who's playing what. Sure. And you you said early off you did that they were live. So were yeah, you, those were those were fun. Uh, no, generally just recordings. Okay. That's yeah, it's it's just been recordings and occasional interview, but I'm not. I mean, I, I, I don't. I haven't taken taken that format yet. Right. <laughs> Great. And so, what um, you know, what one of the things that I've noticed, and and I'm sure you have too, with with uh, you know, listening to all all of the recordings coming in. The, the level of play in the past 20 years has just skyrocketed. 
It's, oh yeah. It, it, it's it's mind blowing. I mean, it, it's fantastic. It's great. What and I just I just wonder, you know, what ha, what have you seen that way during the times that you you've been working and doing your show and, and teaching and all these kinds of things. Yeah, the, the people who are producing CDs, uh, 90, 95% of them are just incredible players. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's almost hard to listen. I'm a, Somebody's <laughs> probably going to send me hate mail. But it's, but it's almost hard to listen to Sylvia. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think... Uh, one could say that there's there's a certain idiosyncratic approach that uh, you know at, at at one time was was the aesthetic and, and it was well Segovia amazed me right he was he was incredible back in the day of course yeah yeah and and then uh, the but the overall musical world has just in guitar has just expanded so greatly. It's been fabulous to watch and, and experience how far things have come technically, musically, and personally. Right. I mean, the great players are really pretty nice people. <laughs> you know? It wasn't always that way. Right. And it was... It's just so fun to see these people who are so committed to the craft of guitar playing, to the artistry, and and how they are living very enriched artistic lives, and they know it. Yeah. There. I mean, nobody. Nobody's complaining that we don't make as much as the doctor down the street or even the plumber down the street. Yeah. You know, uh, nobody's nobody's complaining about this. We're making enough to survive, and a lot of people have other ways of doing it. You know, uh, other ways to survive financially, but um, and there are a lot of ways to do that. But it, it's just been wonderful to to meet these people who are so enthusiastic, like yourself, like like about you. just about playing, and the chance to wake up every day and think about something beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and to not feel like you're on a treadmill. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, so, I mean, we... That, that adage of, you know, you do something you love for, for a living and you'll never work a day in your life, you know, I think there's some, there's some truth in that. You know, there, there, yeah. there are other things on the other side of it, but I think, you know, like as you, as you mentioned before, it's, you know, having, having to get up out of bed and, and dreading having to go to an office or something, you know, not that everybody who goes to an office dreads it, but I would. <laughs> oh, the, 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 uh, st the statistic I heard was that 75% of the people are looking forward to retirement. Right. They don't really like their jobs that much. <laughs> and um, I mean, I'm turning 70 this year, and I don't see an end in sight as long as my health is out. So. Sure. But I like it. I like to do other things, and the studio here, uh, owning the store, gives me a chance to do lots of other things. Like today, we delivered, I don't know, a hundred instruments to schools. Right. That was part of the uh, Save the Music campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we connected with a company that manufactures instruments that we represent, Con Selmer. 
Okay. And we took we took uh, two van loads of instruments to three schools in the Dayton public school system. And these kids are going to really benefit from these. Oh, that's fantastic. And the music programs are super. Uh, yeah, we, we've, we've, um, we've done some, some things like this in the past. And this was a big one. So I went out, on, I went out and helped, helped our school reps like, deliver today. That was really fun. Oh, great. Uh, and and other, other, other things I can do that have nothing to do with practicing or playing music. I mean, I just, during COVID, I replaced all the fluorescent lights here at the store <laughs> with LEDs. Awesome. And, and that was fun because let me use my physics and my ham radio background. And, uh, you know, just replace everything. And, you know, we didn't have any smoke or fire. <laughs> but, but, but that was fun. And we're also painting. And, uh, and I enjoy that. You know, I figure, you know, if I couldn't make a living as a, as a musician... I could I could get into painting. I really like making those straight lines along the yeah, doorways, and and uh, it, it's just wouldn't be my first choice. But I mean, I could do that. Right. And, and I think <laughs> that was an interesting thing during the pandemic. A lot of artists who had their entire identity tied up in their craft, yeah. like all of a sudden, were worried that they weren't going to have their university positions or right. other opportunities to perform, and 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 that's a legitimate worry. But a lot of them really hadn't thought about alternatives. Right. And the fact that we're living in a really fortunate time where you can make a living playing your guitar. Right. And teaching your guitar or whatever. And it doesn't take too much of a study of guitar history to know that in the past, the great guitar players made their living doing other stuff. I mean, Fernando Soar, yeah, he he was in the military, right? And um, uh, I mean, there's there are other examples of this, lots of examples of this of um, uh, a guitarist who, yeah, who had day jobs, and yet they had enough, you know, energy at the end of the day to to go and. Uh, go do their guitar like Antoine de Loyer. Right. Um, he had to do that, and we're really lucky today. Sure. And and we have to count ourselves lucky and be thankful for every day we can do this. And when something like COVID comes, have a backup plan, and and try to reserve enough energy to keep your craft going. Right. Yeah. I found that you know. For, for myself, and I've talked to a lot of other people about this too, um, we just found other ways to do things during that time. You know, I, I stayed, I was as busy as, I mean, I'm always busy, I have to be, it's just my, it's my nature, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't do well with idle time, so mm -hmm. things to do, and I always, always have projects going, but it just, you know, there, there were things that I did during that time that I probably, you know, wouldn't have done otherwise recordings that I made and, and doing some, some YouTube videos and things things that I had in the back of my head that I thought you know I, I I would like to do this sometime and then you know I guess in a way I had the opportunity to, to kind of do some of that stuff and that was that was interesting but I certainly you know I certainly stayed busy that's, that's for good for you good for you it's interesting too that um, because of the technology that that, that we've been using mm-hmm 
to stay in touch with one another, which is something that I find really fascinating about that is this is not new technology. Zoom has been around for a decade. You know, it's just we just decided now, okay, well, we, we have to use it, so let's figure out how to, how to use it in this way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think that's, that's, that's really kind of interesting how, how that happened. I have a friend uh, who teaches at the New England Conservatory. He's a, he's a vocal pedagogy guy. And he did this big project with um, SoundJack, which is a, a, a low-latency, um, over-the-internet communication platform where you can actually, if, if, you, if you set everything up correctly, you can actually like, get the latency down to where it seems like you're in the same room. It's almost real-time um, performance, which is really astonishing. So he's, he's been doing all sorts of research on, on that and... and um, setting up coast-to-coast like, -coast rehearsals and, and, and things like this. And, and it's really, I mean, it, that's, it, to his mind, and I think to probably, he's probably right, but that's, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a very exciting future in, in regards to that, you know, getting the, getting the audio quality high enough to where it, it, doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound bad, and getting the, the latency to the point where people can actually work with one another in real, in real time practically. That would be amazing. Just like we do in telephones. Right, right. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's happening. Um, but, you know, again, that, that's not technology that's new. It's just people needed a real kind of, they needed to be poked to, to adopt it and to use it in, in maybe ways that, that, that hadn't been thought of before. And I think that's, that's a different kind of creativity. And, and uh, one, of the, one of the things that I've, I've found kind of as a thread from talking to people um, for the podcast, you know, it, after, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, so I shouldn't say after the pandemic, because we're still in the midst of it. But, you know, that's, that's like a thread that I'm, I'm running into over and over again. It's just, you know, creative people finding creative solutions and, and just being creative. It's like, you know, we're, we're still, we're still going to do this stuff. We might have to figure out how to do it. You know, right. That's just fantastic. Right. <laughs> So we talked about talked about the store, and we talked about the guitar man, talked about the radio show. Is there anything else that we we should we should talk? Well, about? I've been having some fun composing lately. Yeah. Okay. Um, and is that, so is I've, that something new for you, or is that something that you? Well, it's something I've always done, but never okay. devoted a lot of time to. So I, I just finished a three movement um, thing for guitar and strings. Oh, fun! Kind of kind of neo romantic. Nothing too. Just something real pretty. Like string quartet you know. or string orchestra? Yeah, like like string quartet and bass. Okay. Oh, fun. And then I do it with orchestras, and I'm going to get to do that um, here with, uh, there's a Dayton composers group called COCO, C-O-C-O-A. I'm going to get to do that in September, and then I'm going to get to play it with uh, the Kettering High School String Orchestra in October. Excellent. So that that's going to be fun. That is fun. That's that's great fun. Um, and is is that is that something? Is that piece? That's a brand new piece. Something that you just wrote. During yeah, over the last three years, I try to do a movement every year. <laughs> <laughs> what, who's the? Is you're more of a Wil William Walton than a than a Benjamin Britten, I guess. Is that is that is, that, is, is, is that what they did? I didn't. I didn't. Walton, Walton was uh, was notorious for for writing very meticulously and, and taking his time. 
No, you know, ah. his, out, his output is not very, very, very huge, I suppose. Um, but he, he, he was he was noted for that. Um, Interesting. Interesting. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, my output is not that is not that great. I uh, <laughs> I did it. I did a TED talk about a piece. Uh, we had Ted McStayton here, and um, I did a TED talk. It's on my YouTube channel. Um, where I talk about a piece I wrote and played for a scholarship audition when I was an undergrad. Ah. So I've got a couple things that are kind of fun. Oh, that's, that's great. So you, you did a TED Talk. What haven't you done? <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's great. That's, that's, wow. So, and again, you know, not, not to... Um, Make 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 too big an issue of it or anything, but you've you've been you've been around longer than, than perhaps some of us have, and you've seen the world changing, and you've seen the guitar world changing, and and I'd be interested to to hear your thoughts on, you know, how things might be the same, how things might be different now than they were like when you started your career, and I'm I'm, I'm especially curious too to to pick your brain about um, things things that you tell young guitarists at the beginnings as they're starting their careers like when, when you have somebody who's graduating or you know getting near to that point where they're, they're going to go out in the world and do their thing um, I'd be curious to, to kind of pick your brain on that because you know your experience and, and, and how that might have changed over the years as well. Yeah I just I just say you never want to drive a nice car do you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the thing that I've the thing that I found is that the guitar world is healthier than it's ever been. There are people all over the place now, all over the world, who know what good technique is, right. and who have applied it to play the guitar in very exciting and inspirational ways. And it and the. Uh, editor of American Record Guide said to me, he said, you guitar players are making a lot of CDs these days. You're second only to piano players. <laughs> and I said, I can believe that because because the, the, the world of the guitar is the healthiest it's ever been. Um, people are playing better. People are excited about it. We have a great GFA that gets people together and, and gets the world's best artists just giving classes directly to, and lessons even directly to anybody who signs up at these conferences. Um, we we have a lot of inspired composers. There's a lot of composition now I really don't understand, but there's a lot that's really wonderful, sure. in my estimation. And it, the, the important thing is that it's happening, and and people can kind of decide what they want to play. But at least it's happening. And you see more and more positions at universities that are occupied, like full-time positions, that are occupied by guitar players. Right. Like there's a musicologist at, at Miami who's a guitar player. Right. There's a music theory teacher at Wright State who's a guitar player. Wow. Um, uh, you just see more and more guitarists actually finding ways to make make a living in academia uh, and then and so I think the overall uh, guitar national product 
is uh, is really rising. Yeah. The GNP. <laughs> and uh, beats the gross national product. I think yeah. It's just much better to say guitar national product. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, I think guitarists, it's it's much more possible to make a living in guitar now than it ever has been. And, uh, you know, make a decent living. And, you know, it's like, I, I just think that the quality of the music, the quality of the performance, the quality of expression, I mean, you watch these kids. Of course, I just was at a, a thing called Soaring Sounds, which is these summer touring bands, like marching bands. Last night, our, our store supports our local pr uh, presentation of this. And these, these kids are college age, playing brass, and percussion and they are just incredible so overall what i've seen is just the overall music scene in our country is just reaching levels i never knew were possible when i was in high school and graduated in 1969 there was nothing like this <laughs> now i mean you watch these kids play i mean i watched literally hundreds of kids play last night and and they were from all over the place. They were from Allentown, Pennsylvania, and uh, Boston, Atlanta, Nashville. And these kids, these bands all came up. And I don't know if they were competing or just showing off. But man, they, they were musical, and they were expressive, and technically um, really, really solid. So, you know, just the, the overall quality of music is, is really, really... I just couldn't be more pleased. And that's one of the things that I love to see, especially since I've spent a lot of my time working with little kids. I spent 24 years, one day a week, at a Montessori school, teaching general music to three to nine-year-olds. Wow. And, and so I, 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 my, my now 40-year-old son was there when he was three and four, and we could just barely afford it. And the, the owner of the school came to me and said, oh, you know, our music teacher, this is mom. She comes in and plays the guitar and things to the kids, you know, once a week. She's, uh, she's, she's going to quit. Would you like to be the music teacher? And I went, yeah. She said, we'll swap you that for tuition. I went, okay. So I, that summer, I hit up all my music ed friends. What do you do with little kids who are three? And they said, oh, could I? Yeah, come to the conference and come to these meetings. And so that summer, I just, I hit the the books and I hit up all my friends and we did ta 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 and all that I got these little kids reading and singing on pitch and it was just a hoot and so I love teaching music to these little kids and and just and I think there's a lot of people like me doing that and and that's just laying the foundation for what we're seeing in, in the school music program and and then beyond wow so I, I couldn't be I couldn't be more enthusiastic about where music's going. That's exciting. That's, that's exciting to hear. And and speaking of music in the schools, I know that you've also been really involved with um, the OMEA, the Ohio Music Educators Association, and, and helping them select repertoire for their their annual. Um, what do they call it, festival or contest? Well, the, the Ohio, um, the one that you mentioned is. Um, the, the public school sort of uh, evaluation every year yeah. for public school. I was I was I was on that committee, and I'm not sure what what's happening with that now. I, I need to 
find a little time and see what 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 can be done. Uh, I spend probably more time with the National Federation of Music Clubs oh. and the Ohio Federation of Music Clubs, which is um, a private teacher organization. Uh, actually, it's just music clubs, people who love music, okay. all throughout uh, the state. And then the state has the Ohio. There's the Dayton Music Club and Dayton Guitar Society. We're federated clubs, which means we send dues into the federation. Okay. And then there's the state level, the Ohio Federation of Music Club, and every, every, almost every state has this. And then there's the National Federation of Music Clubs. And I spend a lot of time with that, selecting repertoire for what we call Federation Festivals. And that's once a year where kids can play two pieces for a judge. And the judge is like somebody who knows about kids and knows about teaching and knows about the instrument. There, you don't have to be like a PhD or anything like that. And they don't import people. You generally find people in your region that will come and do it. And I've been very involved with that organization. I set the repertoire for the what they call the Festival's Bulletin, okay. and for pick style and for um, classical guitar. And, and pick style has duets as well. Classical guitar has duets, ensembles. Um, and concerto events. Oh, wow. So so kids can learn as much, like some of my more advanced students are doing seven pieces for that. Like they're, they're, they're doing a two solos and then two duets, two ensemble pieces, and then a concerto movement. Wow. And when they do that, they earn points. They get a rating back from two judges. And... Um, then the points go towards a trophy, which is like I used to think, yeah, a trophy, come on. You can play soccer for, you know, six weeks and end up in ninth place and get a trophy taller than the one you have to do for federation. And that, that takes three years of perfect scores. But the kids, the kids are really, really into this. They, they, they love the idea that they're actually going to get a trophy or a gold, we call it gold cup, for, for playing music. And then it's up to the teacher to make sure that you go, when you send a student in at that level, that they can play this piece in their sleep. Right. Just they can just, they've just totally mastered it, so that they get that superior five points, and then they can put those together over three years and get 15 points for the first cup. Oh, that's great! And it's a tremendous thing. I have an article on my website, uh, jim.mccutcheonmusic.com, and it, it, there's an article on there on Federation Festival. And I think I have a video on my YouTube channel about a typical festival where I just took a camera around and took some pictures and did some interviews. That'd be a good resource for anybody who wanted to learn about festival and federation, which I think is, I gotta say, I think it's been one of the best things that's happened to my teaching in the last 40 years. Oh. And I've been doing this now for 25 years, I think. And, um, it's just it, it makes me be more organized. Sure. It it lets and the, the kids make progress. They can see that themselves working up through the levels from Twinkle Twinkle Little Star to Aguado to on up to Leyenda, and um, and they can see themselves getting better, and their parents see them getting better. And the parents, you know, that a lot of guitar teachers are just like. Hey, Johnny. Hey, what do you want to play today, man? Right, right. And it's like, and this is like, oh, we have to get this ready for festival. Are you, do you have it memorized yet? And, and it's like, it's a whole different mindset that the kids really achieve. And, and, and 
and you're trying to make it fun. I mean, we're coming to the end of summer, and summer I let my kids decompress, and we, we do some rock songs or whatever and have some fun. And, and then, you know, but like they're saying, um, all I have to do is say, oh, you know, this piece could be a festival piece. They go, oh, okay. And they, they just get into that mode of like, okay, I'm going to get this. And um, it, it's, a, it's been a fabulous motivational uh, experience for these kids. So if, if anybody wanted to write me, um, it'd be just jim at mccutcheonmusic.com. Okay. And um, you know, I'd be glad to talk to them about it because I am the, I'm the guitar advisor to the National Federation of Music Clubs. Okay. And I do that. And in case anybody's a composer out there, I also chair uh, the student and collegiate division for composition for the National Federation of Music Clubs. So, wow. so NFMC has, a, has an adult composer con, comp, composition contest. <laughs> I, I don't chair that, but I chair the student one okay. for colleges. You're, you're, so I, you're I, everywhere. You've you got everything going on. You don't sleep much, do you, Jim? Well, you know, I've been sleeping more now that I'm in my late 60s. <laughs> Amazing. Unbelievable. An inspiration to us all, I think. So. You are very kind, Carl. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, the thing, the thing that I, I, I've always admired, every time, every time I'm in your presence, you know, like I'm in your presence now, um, you know, you just have this... this just absolute sense of joy that, that that radiates from you about what you're doing and and it's infectious you know i, I think it's it's really it's, it's pretty exciting and, and i can again thinking about over the years how many how many people have been you know recipient of that and, and i think that's really that's a that's a that's a true testament to uh, to your work and what you've done and you know, all that kind of stuff well that's very very kind of you to say and uh, it's it has been, it has been, I think, a significant career. I think I made the right choice. I, I, I think so, too. They, they say time flies when you're having fun. And right. Be delirious. So, and here, here's my last question. Have you ever driven a nice car? <laughs> yeah, but it, wasn't, it didn't belong to me. <laughs> a friend of mine, uh, he's in the construction business. He had a Rolls Royce. There you go. And... Um, and my mom was flying into town. She lived in Colorado, and and I went up. I went up to pick her up in a Rolls Royce. Oh it was hilarious. God. It was hilarious. <laughs> and then we went to McDonald's. <laughs> Did she ask who you stole the car from? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was funny. It was funny. Very cool. So Jim, I, th I think I think we can go ahead and wrap it up. I really appreciate your time. Um, it's 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 been really fun, Carl. Yeah. And I think if if we if you're into it, we'll get you back sometime in the future. And uh, I really I might have some more stories. Can... Yeah, I'm I'm sure I'm sure I didn't hear them all today. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It's just a pleasure talking with you. Pleasure is all mine, I'm sure. So okay. Bye bye now. Thank you. Bye. This is Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Guitar on My Knee podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. <laughs>